Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. Our scripture reading this evening will be coming from Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 37. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes these words to the church in Rome. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 22. And I want to launch our lesson in just a couple of minutes from verse 33. Matthew chapter 22, we'll start in verse 33. And as I was getting ready to stand up here, it just occurred to me that I'm thankful for a lot of things right now. I'm thankful for you. And I, I think about the Sunday night crowds. I, I always appreciate the people who come on Sunday nights. I, I'm hesitant to use the word sacrifice, <clears throat> that you made a sacrifice to come. And perhaps you did, but I, I rode over here in an air-conditioned car and I sat on a, a padded seat just now. And I don't think I want the Lord to hear me say sacrifice exactly. But I also know that you didn't imitate people who prioritize other things over coming to worship on a Sunday night to be with Christians. And here you are. And it, uh, it makes me very fond of you. And I appreciate you. I'm uh, thankful for this uh, upcoming wedding that people are talking so much about. And that there's going to be a shower out there. And a while ago, I walked past the tables and they've, they've got a lot of food on them. And there were some cucumbers. And I thought, hmm, I'm tempted to get one of those cucumbers. That looks really good. And then I thought, I wonder why they have it covered up with those plastic sheets. And I think it was because of people like me. And they'd... I'm thankful for our singing tonight. And both of our song leaders today, and this is very typical, uh, contacted me ahead of time to say, what are you preaching about? Because... They always want to practice excellence. And when you serve the Lord and when you do something for the Lord, you always want to do it with all your might and the best you can. And that's what these men have done. I want to talk about loving God. I'm in Matthew 22 and verse 33. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. But when the Pharisees heard, heard that, that he had put the Sadducees to silence, They gathered together. Then one of them, who was a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. You already know what's going on in his mind. And saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments, saying the law and the prophets. Now, now, folks, I understand the fact that what Jesus was referencing was part of the old law. And yet, we, we can't stretch our minds around the idea that maybe God thinks less of this in the new covenant than he did in the old. 
we, we have a better covenant than they did, better promises than they had. Surely this principle is applicable to us every bit as it was to people under the old law. What's the great commandment? And Jesus didn't flinch. He just said it. The great commandment. It's like he didn't have to think about it. He knew what it was. The greatest commandment of the law was to love God and to love him in a way that is extreme. And this is one of those extreme passages because it reaches to the max. I want you not just to love him. I want you to love him with all your heart and soul and mind. And that requires a great deal. And what happens is when you love God that way, you're enthusiastic about serving him. That's the natural consequence of that. It's so Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, with which you're familiar. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies. Are you ready for this? Because this is extreme, too. You present your bodies a living sacrifice. How about that? Why would a man do that? And the answer is because he loves God. Romans chapter 12, same chapter, verse 11. Don't be slothful, but be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. How are you doing on that? I mean, how are we doing on loving God? How do we, how are we rating on, on loving God? Do you love God, but, but how much do you love God? I know that's ambiguous. Do you love God? It's not wrong for us to, to take a look at this tonight. I mean, the Bible teaches that we're to examine ourselves. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, let every man examine himself, see if he's in the faith. And when we eat the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28 says, let a man examine himself and eat of the bread and drink of the wine. And so I want us to do some self-examination. How do I know? How can I tell if I, if I love God? Let's, uh, let's throw some questions up on the board. And what I want to do is to kind of scroll through these. I've got half a dozen of them. And this is just an examination to see how we're doing. What, what is it that I love more than anything else in the world? Now, I hope, parents, and I know what, maybe the first thing that comes to your mind is, I don't I mean, maybe I would say my family, my, my wife or my husband, my spouse, and my children, my family, I guess I would say that. But hopefully you say to your children now, when if they're at home with you and you talk to them, I know that we do, say, I love you more than anything except the Lord. You know, don't we all, always need to have the caveat that the Lord always will come first? What about this one? What is that? What is it that people who know you well would say that you love more than anything else? If they were asked about you, what is it that you love more than anything else? Or what about this one? Am I satisfied with my love for God today? Do I really Love him? May I, that's what Jesus said. I didn't, I didn't raise this. He did. What's the next one? Should my worship be any different? Reflecting my love for God above all else, would that affect me or should that affect me and should that be happening? Next, what about this one? Can I remember a time when I had more or less to love for God? more or less love for God? Is there a time in my past when God meant more or less to me? Now the next one. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being cold, just disbelief, and 10 being hot, what number would I attach to my love for God right now? And I, you know, in a, in a room like this, we've got a lot of people, and it could be that a visitor here hasn't really thought a lot about this, maybe not very religious right now. And maybe you'd say, well, yeah, I don't know. I need, I need to think about that some more. And, 
I hope that you'll come see me and we can talk about this and you can investigate the scriptures. But maybe a visitor would say, I'm, I'm, at, I'm probably at a one. Maybe, maybe some would say in this room, I'm at a five or maybe I'm at a ten. Maybe the most, I don't know, would say I'm probably six to nine, somewhere in there. And the question is, uh, how, how satisfied are we with where we are about that? Now, take me to the next slide. Can you flip to the next slide? Good. Thank you. There are three things I want to propose that we can examine and remember that will help us love God more. How do you go about it? What does the scripture say about this subject? How do we love God more? If I'm not satisfied with the number that I gave, what, what can I do about it? I don't want to waste my time. There was a Reader's, Reader's Digest article a while back about a couple who retired young. Their business had been successful. He was 59, she was 51, and they sold the business. Very lucrative, great sale, and they moved to the, the Keys, the Florida Keys. They bought a, a big boat, and they lived no, near the water, and according to the article, they, they play softball and they collect seashells. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm saying there's anything wrong with those things. Of course there's nothing wrong with those things. None, none of what I said is a sin. But suppose that was the center of your life. Suppose you got to be that age and now you, your business is sold and now you're retired. And so you have, at least theoretically, you've got more time. I mean, you, you don't have the, the rigorous requirements of the job. And so you've got more free time to do. And suppose that what, that's, what's that, is that the center of my world? And, you know, you may be thinking, well, of course, that's silly. I mean, who who would think that the the most important thing, the middle of my world when I retire would be that, that I would play softball and collect seashells? I don't think that. That's kind of silly. Well, I'll, I will add, add this to think about. If the answer of what's the center of my world when that time comes, if it's anything besides loving and serving God, if, if the center of my world isn't serving God when I get to that age, then all of it's wasted. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. This is about life. What's life about? And in fact, some translations say, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. This is, this is all of it. And why, why do we live this way? We live this way because we love him. And you know what it means to love him? It, it means that, that we are a living sacrifice. It means that if you, if you love God, you're, you're just... Everything swirls around this. It, it swirls around this one reality of life that God is and that he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I love him just to love him. So how do I, how do I go about that? And what can I do to increase my love for God? Three things. Number one, remember that God is worthy of my love. I don't even know how you breach this. This is so profound, but let's, let's give a go at it. Here's 1 Corinthians 10 and 31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now that's very interesting. What, what does it mean to glorify God? It, it doesn't, it doesn't mean the same thing as beautify God. It's not like that the more I praise Him, the, the more beautiful He becomes. It's not like that I'm enhancing the qualities of God or the beauty of God by my actions. I can't do that. That, that's, that is not the point. The better word would be, a synonym would be, to magnify him. I, to glorify him means to magnify him. And even that has, 
has a little problem, I guess. I mean, you've got to focus on this. You can magnify something with a microscope or with a telescope, but those are different. If you, if you magnify something with a microscope, you take something that's so very tiny, so tiny, and I can make it look like it's much larger. Now, folks, that's never going to be true about God. You're not going to magnify him in the sense that you make him look larger than he is. That that just simply never happens with God. It's more like a telescope. It's like a telescope. And my ability to see him is is not great. But now through that, I magnify what I see. And it, it bring, you look at a planet or you look at a star, and it, it brings it to the size it really is. And that, that is what's meant by glorifying God. Now, Isaiah said something very interesting in 43, beginning in verse 6. And maybe you're familiar with this. Just drink it in. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I... I underlined this so you would emphasize it. Raise it to the surface. Whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Did you ever wonder the purpose of life? Did you ever ask how come God made human beings and what was the purpose of creation and why this magnificent experiment of God? Why did he do this? Well, I can give you the answer from Isaiah 43. He created people, the human race, for his glory. Now, don't misunderstand that. it's It's not that he created the human race simply for his flattery. He created us. It means in such a way that we are designed to glorify him. This is what's best for us, to see the Savior, to see our God, to be in fellowship with him. This is our, our place as humans. You think about a train going down the track. When is a train fulfilling its, its place in the world? Is it when it's going down the track? Now, mind you, I understand that it's, it's following the path that has been laid out for it. But when is a train fulfilling its purpose to the best? When it's going down the track or when it leaves the track and plods off into a field somewhere? And the answer is when it's on the track. Listen, that's what we've been designed to do. We were created by an omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient God with the purpose of glorifying him. I mean by that. Our lives function the best when we live in the love of God and to glorify God. I would argue that the best moments in my life are not the ones where I I come to a point of self-satisfaction. The best moments in life, ironically, are moments of self-forgetfulness. It's true, you know. Did you ever go to the ocean? I think people ought to go to the ocean now and then just to drink in the vastness of it. I've never been to the Grand Canyon. I know lots of people who have, and maybe Cindy and I will go one day, but I have looked at a starry sky. And I've been to the Great Smoky Mountains, and you can, you can just look at those mountains, and I'm telling you they're vast, and it's just... I've been to Alaska and looked at those mountains too, and they're very different. And when you look at a starry sky, you cannot imagine, you cannot imagine looking up there and thinking, I'm really something. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm really great. I'm really, I'm really something. 
You can't imagine, you can't stretch your mind around that. That can't be true. You can't do that. A man who did, who did that would be pathological. He, he, I think he's out of his mind. What do you do? Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. That's what you do. You glorify God. Now, listen to me. That's what we were designed to do. Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. And when I'm like that, when I think like that, and it's not so hard, it's not so hard. You say, I want to love God more. Remember that God is worthy of my love. I'll be so happy to worship him. You can't come to worship God and, and sit where you're sitting right now, and we're worshiping him this very moment. You you can't do that and, and think to yourself, he's so lucky I'm here to worship him. He's so lucky to have me here. Or I, I don't feel like worshiping today. I I don't think I will worship him today. Or I don't care much for singing. I think that I'll just barely move my lips and mutter the songs to God. Really? Really? Go ahead, try it. See if you can do it. Oh, Lord, my God, when I am awesome. You can't really do it, you know. And if you love him, because that's not glorifying him, and that's not springing forth from any kind of love of God, it won't won't work. It, It just won't work. When I love God and I think about who he is, that he's worthy of my love, that when I sing... I sing, and I give, and I praise, and I do it because the natural inclination of a person created by God is to glorify him. Number two, I remember how much he loves me. If you want to love God more, then spend more time thinking about how much he loves me. Now, you're going to take, when you do that, you draw a straight line to the cross, of course. You zoom to the cross. Now, here's Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. And you're familiar with this. When we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Scarcely, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Peradventure for a good man, and that's a step beyond just righteous. This is a man who would do, do something altruistically for you. He would, he would care for you when he didn't have to do it. He would still care for you and he would be a good man. Peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Now watch this, because here's the logic. God commands his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now when I eat the Lord's Supper, of course, what happens is that I, I'm bound to use my imagination to picture the progression of the cross. And I do that every, I did that this morning and you did too, as you were getting ready to eat the Lord's Supper or as you were eating it. And we portray those things on the screen of our thoughts. And, and you look at the eyes of Jesus. But in my life, when my, when my love for the cross grows cold, my heart's going to be cold. You can't be indifferent looking at Jesus' eyes on the cross. Here's John 15 and verse 13. And my Lord said this, greater love hath no man than this. Can you go to the next slide? There you go. Greater love hath no man than this. And a man laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. And it makes me enthusiastic when I love him. So here's 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 27. And the apostle Paul says, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. List that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I'm going to live for him. Why is that? Why are you going to live for him? And the answer is because I love him. Why? 
because, because he died for me when I was a sinner. And because I, I've had so many times when I've gone to him in prayer to say, let me confess my sin to you. I'm so ashamed. I'm so embarrassed about what I've done. Father, could you just forgive me? And through the, through the cross of Jesus, he will. If we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 8, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Jesus said in John 12 and verse 32, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Get the, get, get the point of that. The cross is a magnet. It's a magnet to people to, to know that he loved me enough to die for me. Now you think about that. Now you think about that hard. And what happens is you walk away and you love him more. You love God because God loved you first, even when you didn't deserve it. Now here's number three. Here's the last one. I need to remember what kind of person Jesus is. You know, I, I think about people who are very important to my life, people who are friends that I just really love. And if you have friends, you're truly rich. And I'm, I'm blessed to have friends. And I'm thankful for them. And when I think about them, I think about their good qualities, what it is that attracts me to them. I'm drawn to them because they have good qualities. I, I enjoy conversation with them. I enjoy being around them because of their qualities. Let me tell you why you love Jesus. It's because you take the the New Testament, the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you study them and you ingest that and you just love him. You just, you think about the kind of man he was while he was on earth, the kind of person he is, and you're drawn to him. How could you not be drawn to him? And sometimes I guess people think about God, the Father, and they think, well, he's just so far away. He seems abstract to me. I, I don't. I don't guess I really can grasp God. Well, Jesus helped us with that in John 14, 9. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. John 17 and verse 3. Can you throw that up for me? And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I know him because I know Christ. I know Christ because I have the word of God. No thing in this world can give you true satisfaction because you were cut out different. You were cut from a piece of cloth where only a person can give you true satisfaction. And that person is, is God. You love God? Can you love God more? Have you shown him your love by giving your life to him? I'm so glad that you're here tonight. I know that you have a work week ahead of you and you've got lots of plans. And I think about that when I'm planning my Sunday night sermons. And tonight what I want to do is to send you into the week with whatever you got planned with this thought. I was made to love and glorify God. I want to love him the way that Jesus taught me. With all my heart and strength, soul and mind. I hope that will be true about everybody in this room. Maybe there's somebody here tonight who needs to obey the gospel. And if you would like to study about that, if you're not ready but you want to talk about it, I hope you'll come see me after this service is over. And let's sit down and study. 
we'll set us a time and we'll sit down and take whatever time you want and learn about the gospel. If you would like to obey the gospel tonight, everything is ready to do that. We have water, clothing, everything you need. We'll be so happy to help you in your obedience to Jesus Christ. The way the Bible describes it is obeying the gospel. Would you like to obey the gospel? Repent of your sins and confess the sweet name of Jesus and be baptized. If you need the prayers of the Christians, we're here for you and we'll be happy to do that with you and for you. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.